You guys, I'm so excited. Today I have Marion Parson. She is the mother of two boys, a paint enthusiast, lover of all things home, and the author of Feels Like Home. She started Mustard Seed Interiors in 2008 as a way to earn extra money for groceries. What started out as a one-woman decorative painting and mural business evolved into antiques business that tripled into a blog and blossomed into a successful international brand. While the focus has been on the home, the heart of the blog has been providing encouragement and inspiration to women in the areas of decorating, homemaking, and creative endeavors. I am so excited to meet with you and to chat with you today. Welcome. Me too. Thank you for having me. I, I saw in your bio, you're a boy mom as well. I am a boy mom and I have been, uh, I don't do interior decorating, but I have been flipping and doing house stuff for over a decade. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a lot. <laughs> so I, I think that, but I'm not on your whole level, but I, so I think we just have a ton in common. And I think now more than ever, as we have gone through this season of COVID and I think a lot of stuff shifting at home, I think so many people have realized the importance of home and home feeling productive and happy. And so many people have been investing in their homes. Uh, so I think this will just be a great conversation that we can actually, so many people that listen to this are looking to be inspired, to be productive. I think that's the heartbeat of kind of what you're doing just in a, in a visual way for everyone's home. Um, so yeah. I have a bunch of questions I'm going to be asking you if you're ready. Oh, go for it. So you, the first thing that kind of like caught my attention is um, I'm very intuitive and I have been, I have been living in my new home <laughs> for the last year. I laugh because a lot of people that listen know that I have moved a lot in the last couple of years, my new home. And one thing that I've been trying to do is um, I'm very intuitive on spaces and colors and feelings. And one thing that you tell people to do is to listen to their home. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, so, yeah, and it sounds a little, you know, I have to say like not, you know, let's, we're not getting crazy, but it, it's really about working with your home. I think when we purchase a home, especially if it's, it's not our dream home, which the people who are able to actually buy and live in their dream home, I think it's, it's probably pretty small. Most of us end up buying a home that it's in the right location. It's in the right budget. Uh, it's next to our kid's school or it's in a good school district. So it, it's dictated by a lot of things other than just what we love and what we want. And so we end up moving into a home that maybe it was the best we could afford. It was the best one we could find available on the market. And sometimes you can move into a home with kind of this mindset of like, it's it's me versus the house. I'm going to now need to work with this home that isn't my ideal and make it work. And I think that when you can approach a home in a way that it's like, okay, I picked this home for a reason. Maybe it was just location, but maybe there are some things that I do really like about the home. It might be as simple as like some beautiful trees that are in the backyard or the light that comes in in the afternoon through certain windows, or maybe it has some, uh, some hardwood floors or it has a really good floor plan or something. But finding those things that you like and then finding what are those touch points that are um, that coincide with your style and with what your dream home would be and finding those and appreciating them, appreciating the house for what it is and working with the home instead of against it. And that's really what I mean by listening to it. And I think also 
the fact that it doesn't need to be a, it's not a rush. You don't have to move in and make everything perfect right away. Unless the home is unlivable, then, you know, maybe you need to tackle some things right away, but you can really live in it for a while and get a good feel for the house and um, how you and your family move through the home before you start really making some big decorating decisions. And I think that's the, I think a lot of people struggle with the vision aspect, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, um, you know, I feel like I, I thrive in vision and that's how I operate. I have a vision and then I build a budget and then it's like timelines and schedules and like making it happen. Right. Right. And uh, your, what your advice just said is not have to do everything at once. Like I want everything done probably in every aspect of my life, like yesterday. Um, (laughs) and that's all of us. Right. Um, but I'm curious, I am someone that has a vision, someone that is looking for a home or is in a home and they don't quite love it. Right. It's like you said, it's looking for that grace and appreciation. What is your recommendation? Like, do you tell people to go on Pinterest or to have to partner with someone? Um, I'm just kind of curious of your opinion on how to help someone that isn't a visionary or doesn't have that creative piece in them, um, find that outlet so that they do feel like it's home. Yeah, I think Pinterest and looking in magazines, looking in decorating books, I think all of that, those can be great resources. So you definitely can collect pictures and things that you like. What I would make sure that you're doing is there's a big difference between gathering images that you like, like, man, I like this. I appreciate this. I think this looks great. And collecting things that are actually going to work in your home. So it's sort of like when you're picking out hairstyles, you have to be realistic about what you're working with. And is your hair stick straight? Then maybe some, you know, real curly, um, messy haircut isn't going to work on your hair. So I think it's the same with a home. You need to be picking inspiration images that really are going to make sense with the house that you live in so that you're not picking these inspiration pictures that are just like, okay, well, basically you'd have to bulldoze it and build something new because it's, it's just, it's so different. Um, so just curating pictures with that in mind, um, I think will be more productive and less discouraging. And I also like to recommend that people create a living mood board. So instead of creating, instead of collecting like 2D images, collect items from your home or from your, you know, your collection of things that you love. And it doesn't have to be decorating items. It could be clothing. It can be shoes or jewelry. It could be um, things that you've collected from your yard or while you're on vacations or just favorite pieces of art, favorite items. Um, It's about collecting colors and patterns and textures and things that you love and putting them together And it seems like, well, this might be just kind of a fluffy exercise, but when you can see all of the things that you love together, it can be such a strong visual um, compass for you to show you what your style is, if you're not sure what it is. Because all the things that you love put together, that's your style. And then that can give you a good idea of palette and kind of, do you like more neutrals? Do you like a lot of natural elements? Do you like things that are really you know, shiny and um, glamorous. It'll just give you a really good indication of what direction you should go. Uh, I just think that is such a great advice. And no one has ever explained it to me in that way, but I am actually someone um, 
I'm not like very, very creative. If that makes sense. Like I'm a, I'm a visionary. I can see things that I like and be able to put them together. And actually what you just said is kind of what I do. I either grab images and Photoshop them onto like a vision board or I'm traveling and I'm inspired by actually my master bathroom got renovated recently. And I was inspired by artwork in Savannah that I found. Mm -hmm. And I'm like this, you know, and for me, I have to have a starting point. I can't just, I can't just like be like, this is what I want just pop it out of my head. And I think that there are some creative people that I highly admire that can do that. That can piece all those pieces together and visualize something on their own in their head. For me, I think it's it's that inspiration. I think that's such a good point for people to to realize, um, whether it be a carpet or art, like you just said, or just pieces in the color palette. I think that's a great way um, to put it all together. Yeah, I actually recommend that if you're feeling lost in a room, like you just don't know where you want to go, then more than likely you don't have a statement piece. You don't have something that it's like, this is my jumping off point. And by identifying that or finding that, and it can be anything, it can be a fabric, a picture, something that you found at a flea market. It can be, like you said, a rug, a piece of furniture. It's just something that you love that then you want to build your room around. And And it helps establish some things so you're not having to make so many decisions. You can always go back to that statement piece and say, okay, does this work with that? If it doesn't, then it's not, I'm not going to get it or I'm not going to do it. If it does, then it, it's a go. So I think it, it can help provide kind of a filter to make good decisions for your room. I love it. Um, I want to switch gears and talk about productivity because a lot of people that are listening to this have a start planner and they're looking to get more done. And for me, when I moved into my new home about a year ago, um, we did a lot of stuff right before we moved in. Like we refinished the hardwood, we painted the main spaces, but then I got in and made a plan of what, what spaces we were going to tackle first. And one of the, one of the things that I really loved about this home, um, was it the office, the home office overlooked the lake. Mm. And for me, it's one, it's still to this day, one of my favorite rooms and the whole house has this white bright air feel, but this office, I actually painted really moody and I just love it. And I, I, I literally love walking by it and seeing it. I love being in it. And I think a lot of people, and I I say this because myself, I was missing a work area or an office or a work zone that I was inspired to be productive in. And I had to stay on top of myself because I'm really organized, but life happens and, you know, papers get cluttered on my desk. And so I try to like tidy up and at the end of every week, make sure stuff is tucked away and filed away. But what do you have advice for people that um, are are working from home or homeschooling or just in an environment of home and, and they want a space to be productive? Because not everyone has an office space. Um, what what is kind of your your I guess experience or recommendation on creating like work zones? Yeah, I well, this is such a huge topic because so many people are working from home these days anyway, but then of course with everything happening in the world, yeah, you've got kids doing school from home, you've got people who are working from home unexpectedly and now, you know, they maybe they didn't have a home office or a dedicated space to work. So they're just trying to like on the fly, okay, I just need a table and a chair. But now that it's becoming a longer term situation, um, it is important to have a a space where you can work and that's conducive to productivity and creativity. Because no matter what kind of work you're in, if you're an accountant, there's creativity involved. You need to be able to have ideas and to be inspired. And 
Um, so it's important to have a space that's conducive to that. I love how you describe your office. And I wish that that's what everyone could have for their office, that it's this room that just pulls them in and that they just love being in. Um, so what I would recommend is, first of all, if you don't have a dedicated home office to really look around your room and don't or your home and don't just make default choices about the rooms. Maybe there's a guest room that can be claimed as your office that's you know only used a couple times a year. Maybe you can convert your dining room into an office. Again, maybe it's a space that you're only using a couple of times a year and you can transform it so you're using it every day. Um, or a formal living room is another good option. Um, just try to find a space that you can claim, preferably one with a door so it can be quiet and fairly private. But um, if you have to, you know, then set up in a corner of a room. And, uh, you know, some people just, you have to do that. You're in a small apartment or something. Um, but I do think it's important to create a, a dedicated space, whether it's just a desk or just a corner that is where you do your work because we really do respond to what's around us. You know, when we're sitting at the kitchen table, we know, okay, it's, it's time to eat a meal and we're kind of ready for that. Or when we go into lay down in our bed, we know, okay, it's time to start winding down. Those, our environment gives us cues of what, you know, our brain is supposed to be doing. So we want to have an environment where our brain says, okay, th this is where I do work. It's time to work. And I think you can use some other hacks as well, like have certain playlists that you put on when you're doing really focused work. Or um, I have a candle that I always light when I'm doing my writing because it just kind of, again, helps to cue my brain and say, okay, it's time to work, it's time to focus. Um, but setting up boundaries in your home to separate your work from everyday living, I think, I think can be really healthy for both your life and your work so that your family knows and you know when you're at that desk or when you're in that room, it's it's time to work. Um, I love that. So yeah, so that's what I would say. And I think also be realistic about how you work. I've helped people work on their offices before. And uh, one of them specifically, I remember we were talking about storage and she loved this idea of this, you know, having all this open shelving. But as we talked about it more, I realized like the idea of seeing all of her storage was going to drive her crazy. So I'm like, okay, you, while you might love the look of open storage, it's ultimately not going to work well for you. It's going to be a distraction. So I think what we need is something that can be closed off. So it can provide good functional storage that you don't have to stare at and it's not distracting you while you're trying to work. So I think like you were saying, you have to kind of tidy things up. That's important to you for your space to feel comfortable. I think it's it's a great idea to really pay attention to what you need and how you work and do your very best with what you have to accommodate that. We are going to take a quick little break to hear a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by startplanner.com, your tool for a more organized life. Featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc.com, Start Planner was created to meet the demands of today's busy lifestyle, helping you to plan, execute, and organize every aspect of your life in one concise system. Align schedules, to-dos, finances, health, wellness, goal setting, and clear action steps to all work together and drive results. Learn more at startplanner.com. I love that. And I think that just brought up a great point. Like a lot of times it's just 
what looks pretty, right? It's just, right. Um, you know, but it's so much more than that. For me, I always say it's when design meets function. Function is like number one. And so a lot of times for me, I have found it's actually living in the space mm-hmm. um, and making a list of kind of what you need um, and then actually doing the renovation or doing the change or doing the DIY project or whatever that may be. Um, yeah, because I'm doing my master bathroom. I just, I just did it. I did things very different living in it, knowing what I need. I want to add an outlet to this bottom drawer. I want to, you know, you can kind of make a list of those things because then it's design meeting that function. And I think that is where the key is because ultimately when we're organized, we're inspired, we're efficient, we're going to set ourselves up to be more productive versions of ourselves, and not only ourselves, our family and our energies. And, um, I'm just a big believer in all of that. Yeah, definitely. And I think organization looks different for everybody. I think we mm-hmm. have this idea of, you know, what organization looks like. But for some people, being surrounded with piles of stuff is what makes sense for their their brain. And it's it's what is conducive to creativity and productivity for them, whereas other people need a completely clean surface. And that's what is going to help them focus. So it looks different for everybody. But what you were just talking about, I I actually write about that pretty extensively in a chapter on workspaces in the book. And I call it a workspace audit, where you really go through and see, okay, what's working? What's not? What do I need? So that you can address those functional things first. And then, you know, then of course, you want to make the space like look and feel nice and all of that because it is in your home. You don't want it to look like, you know, you just dropped a cubicle in the middle of your house, but it has to function first or it's going to be kind of this underlying frustration, this thing that you're always butting up against as you're trying to get your work done. I love it. Such a great point. All right. We've got two more things to kind of bring to your attention. So I know you said you have two boys. I have Mm -hmm. three. Um, when we moved into this home, I really wanted to make sure that they felt like it was their rooms. And I hadn't, I realized I hadn't really taken a, a moment in a couple of years to like pause and be like, all right, what do you guys want? It's, I had always been kind of what I wanted mm-hmm. and a projection of that. So I really wanted each of them for, for them to feel like it's their energy, their space, what makes them happy. And I have an older one that loves football and he wanted it to be a college Georgia theme. And so we did that and did white walls. And um, then my middle one is very uh, creative, artsy, outdoor. And so he wanted a room that kind of encompassed that wood elements and grays and nature paintings. And he is obsessed with owls and it so like depicts Mm -hmm. who he is. So that's what we did. We did a room around that for him and my youngest which I feel like probably has the least amount of opinion. And he's just like, kind of like, I like this or like that. Like he wanted a fishing room. So we did neutral kind of walls, but that had some plank, but that could kind of grow and change if he, if he did change, cause he's still kind of young. Yeah. But I literally can say it's the first time that I did that. Cause I really feel like I'm best when I'm in a space that I'm inspired by. So I really wanted that for them. I wanted it to feel like home for them. What do you do and what are you, what is your make your recommendation? Do you involve kids in decorating or do you like that's just too much or what is your kind of take on all that? Oh, I definitely think you need to include your kids in decorating their rooms. Now, I agree when they're younger, like then it's really about what you want and kind of what, you know, what works for their age range. Um, and especially with really little, little kids, it can be overwhelming because what they are into changes so rapidly. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to decorate a whole room around, I don't know, Thomas the train. And then it's like, you know, a year later, now they're into something completely different. So um, so I, I would recommend with 
as you would with a design client. So you think about like if ever you've even just observed a designer working with a client, like on a TV show or something, um, it's not ever just this open-ended, what do you want? What would you like? It, they provide some options and give sort of some parameters. And I think you can do the same thing for your kids to say, okay, here are um, some colors to pick from, or here are some ideas to start, or here are some, here are a few different pictures. Maybe one's more vintage, one's more modern, one's the, you know, giving a few different style ideas. Which one do you like best? Which one would you like to see in your room? So you sort of provide some some parameters so they can still pick what they want, but not be overwhelmed by just this open-ended, how do you want to do your room? Um, and I think that that can help them then make decisions that are going to end up looking nice instead of like, when my boys just have this open-ended thing, it's like, okay, I want um, green and blue stripes with uh, black. And then I want the, and it's just like, oh gosh, okay, hold on. We're gonna, we're gonna, we are going in a place that's going to not look great. And I don't know if you can picture in your head how it's going to look. Now, some kids, they, they have a clear vision. And I think then you can kind of give them a bit more uh, latitude if your kid's like super into how they want their room to look. But I don't know with my boys, they're, they're just kind of like, you know, they're not as into it. But one thing I would say, so sharing, especially if you share online, I would really caution people. Like I don't share my kids' rooms in the book. I don't share my kids' rooms on Instagram or on the blog because it's the, those are their rooms. They're not blog content. And so I just really caution people to make sure that you're not doing that. Like you're forcing kind of what you do on your kids and then making their room part of your content. I, that, that's all I would caution since it's kind of a big, big thing these days. Well, I have totally shared. So, <laughs> and you know, I mean, I think that I have done it with their permission. Um, yes. You and, know, I mean, and I think definitely, that's... yeah, you can, I'm not saying don't share your kids' rooms. I'm saying though, I think what you see sometimes is there's a room that it doesn't look at all like a kid's room. Oh, <laughs> I see. You know I what see, I mean? I it's see. Like, yes. It's done for the blog. And it's done for it. Yes, for yes. sure. It's not the heart and the intention is the, the, the kid's stuff. And right. for me, exactly. I'm, I'm not about the, I'm not about the likes. I'm not about the whatever. I'm about the heart of the purpose. And it's really more so the heart of what works for our family. It so, sounds like you did sure. a great job listening to your boys and what they want in their rooms. And I think you know, that's the right way to, so working from that way, you know, Oh, I know what you there, mean. I, I know what you mean. Starting at, okay, what's going to make good. What's going to give me the most likes, what's <laughs> right. going to be that? Yeah, no, I mean, for sure not. Um, so I'm curious, uh, last year when I bought this home, I, I, it's an older home and I bought it. And let me tell you what, I, I saw it online six or seven times. And I kept passing it up. I was like, mm, nope, nope, nope. And I actually came and looked at another house two doors down. And um, I was like, okay, I'm over here. Let's me, let me at least go look at it. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, like I can feel myself walking through the home and like visualizing and different things like pulled me in, like the fireplace kind of pulled me in the the layout of the home pulled me in, you know, it being on the lake kind of pulled me in. I, I found a lot of character when I was here that necessarily I didn't see online. 
But let me tell you, it was a total gut. Like mm-hmm. there was like nothing that like has not been touched or overseen. So I knew it was going to be the massive amount of work and project. And trust me, there was many a times over this last year that I was like, what did I do? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like I made the worst decision ever. And I'll never forget that um, about three months after I had purchased and, uh, you know, we were gutting the kitchen and, you know, kitchen being your heart of your home, like everything was just a mess and COVID and delays and this and delays mm-hmm. and that, you know, and just everything else, like layering multiple, you know, other companies and stress and just all the things I'm like, I am in over my head. Like I am, I have made a mistake. Like what did, what did I do? And um, my dad walked in the house and he had not seen the house and it was about 60 days after I'd purchased it, as I said. And he walked in and he came in and he's a man of very few words. And he touched the stone on the fireplace. And um, he looked at me and he said, Christy, I did this stone. My dad's a stonemason. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, back when I was in my early twenties, I did this as a side job. I did the stone in this house. And I remember feeling like that fireplace had character. It felt like home. And Mm -hmm. so it's the same, it's called a V joint lay that was done back in the eighties. And, um, it was the same, it's the same fireplace and the same joint that my grandparents to this day still have in their home. Mm -hmm. And, um, to me, that was just kind of like, you're, you're where you're meant to be. Like, you know, it was just kind of one of those things. I don't know if you're religious, but for me, it was, you know, God being like, you're where you're at. Like, you're you're fine. Like you're, you're, you're home. And, um, I know for you, you have moved to Minnesota and you bought a hundred year old farmhouse, which I can only imagine lots of character. Um, and you could have, I'm sure as I could have bought a cookie cutter suburban home. Well, <laughs> let me stop you. Cause actually, so I wanted to buy the 100 year old farmhouse, but we ended up buying the cookie cutter. Oh, so this is backwards. So why? I'm so, con- I'm okay. So I, I got it backwards. So I thought you wanted the 100 year old farmhouse with character, but no, you bought the cookie cutter suburban home. We did because that's what, that's what was in the location. That was what okay. was in the That's what we ended up. So that's really where the book came from was I wanted, I love old things. I love the character of old homes. And that's not the home that I got to buy. I ended up buying a home. That, I mean, it's a great home. It had the space we needed. It had the space I needed for my business. It was great, a great house for like the age of our kids. Um, it's less than a mile from their school. It's 15 minutes from where my husband works. So it just, it was the right house, even though it was actually I, in the house hunt, I, when I put a list of what I wanted and what I didn't want, one of the things that I did not want was a beige suburban home with a two-story foyer. Cause I just think they're like hard to decorate. They're a waste of space. And that's exactly and that what you got <laughs> was a beige suburban house with a two-story foyer. So, um, so the book really follows the journey then of um, transforming this very beige kind of basic house into a home that has character and that really oh. feels like a home to us. Because what you know, and it sounds a little. Um, I don't know, a little romantic maybe, but it's like what my heart needs and longs for is an old house. Like I love, love old homes. 
And that's just not what I have for this season of life. But I know, you know, there's a lot of people that they like what their heart wants is to live on the at the beach or on the water or in the mountains or in an old home or in a brand new home or in a, you know, whatever the the dream is. And and we just we just don't all get that because, you know, there's there are other like I said, there are other factors at play. Where do you work? Where does your spouse work? Where do your kids go to school? What what are all of the needs? Maybe there's some special needs in the home. And and what you want is just not gonna not gonna work or not be in the budget. And so a lot of us work with homes that are not, you know, not a hundred percent what we would pick. I love this question because it actually brought us back to our original, like how we opened this conversation. Yeah. And I love that we both have two different things because I could also sit here and say, well, a, a newer home, you don't have to worry about. Um, a PRV valve going bad because it was 40 years old and we had to rip out some sheetrock and had to locate the PRV valve because they hit it somewhere because you do that back 40, 50 years ago. Um, so there's pros and cons with both. And I think as you were saying all this, um, I think we all have this innate desire for more, right? Sure. More yeah. this, more that. And I think that ultimately that's what it becomes. But um, even when you when you were saying that, I'm like, gosh, I prayed for so much of what I have now. Mm. And even what I have right now, I'm still wanting more. I want to do the back deck. I want to add an octave. I want to, yeah. but it's like all of us, right? Like you have this perfect home that's convenient for you, like all these things, like, and, and ultimately, you know, you, I can hear it. You still yearn for that old home. And like you said, maybe it's just for another season of your life. But I think the cool thing is this entire conversation is, whether you're where you're sitting or where I'm, I'm sitting, it's it's learning to have grace and be grateful for exactly where you are and take well, what you have been able to budget and work for that season of life and make it feel more like your home. Whether it is the yeah. older home and you don't like the old cabinets and you mm -hmm. want to redo them and or it's the new home and you want to figure out ways to add character. So um, I just... I, I love that. I love the way this conversation wrapped up. I think it was so yeah. powerful. Yeah. And I actually, I talk, I actually end the book with a chapter about loving your home for what it is, because it is so easy to live in this place of like, Next well, when more. I have the dream home, mm -hmm. then I'll do this. Well, once we can fix this, then I'll be happy with this house. And it's just this cycle that can perpetuate. And we don't even realize it. It's so subtle because I think that desire for more, like you were just saying, is so pervasive in our um, in our world. It's it's advertised to us all the time that we need more and deserve more and we should work for more and we've got to. And when sometimes it's like, man, no, we, we really need to stop and appreciate what we have and um, all the, the quirks and imperfections and things that come along with it. And man, that's where real happiness and contentment is found in appreciating the things you have, even if it's not exactly how you pictured it or wasn't mm -hmm. exactly what you wanted or, yeah, or the, you know, you have all these repairs that you have to do that are unexpected expenses that no one will ever see and, and all any, anything that comes with where you're living. Um, but finding those things you appreciate. So I do wrap the book up with that as well. Cause I think it's so, it's so important. 
I love that. And I think no matter where you're home, where the location, it, it ultimately like family and love mm-hmm. and what encompasses in that wall, that safety that it provides is, is what we need to be grateful for. But I am all for, you know, whatever we can do and budget and DIY. Um, I've done all the things, you know, mm-hmm. I've done stuff on really strict budgets and then been able to have some grace and, and play with bigger budgets for, for bigger projects, which I'm so grateful for. But ultimately it's just, um, finding that space that we are uh, happy in, we feel safe in, uh, we are productive in, and ultimately we can gather in with our family and loved ones. So I just, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. And um, for everyone that is listening, can you tell everyone to to, to find out where you are, your website, and then also to get a copy of Feels Like Home? Sure. I'm at MissMustardSeed.com or you can pretty much if you Google Miss Mustard Seed, you're going to find me. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Miss Mustard Seed. So that those are good places to connect with me. And then the book feels like home. It comes out October 12th. So it's available for pre-order and it is um, you can get it anywhere where books are sold. Awesome. Thank you so much. Everyone, you guys go check out Miss Mustard Seed. And Marion, thank you so much for this. Um, I cannot wait to read the entire version to be able to take tips and tricks away from it to apply to my home and my life. So um, we will be back next week, everyone, with another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find any links discussed in this podcast in the description below. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and hit the subscribe button. It helps us so much. You can listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We are here weekly with brand new episodes. See you guys soon.